Okay. Knock us on. William. A foundation. We're still talking on foundations. I started this two weeks ago. And then uh, Paul spoke last week when I was on holiday. And uh, when I was sat in the Portuguese sun. Or the Spanish sun. The sun looked like it was in Portugal to me, so... Okay, if you've got in your Bibles, go to Ezra chapter 3, verse 10. Ezra chapter 3, verse 10. We started looking at this last time we looked at. Today I'm really going to mess with your brain. I'm going to mess with your brain because you need, you need messing with. <laughs> I want this foundation in our lives to be strong. But not just any foundation, it has to be specific. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priest in their vestments and with the trumpets and the Levites, the, son, the sons of Asaph, they had instruments with symbols, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by King David of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love to Israel endures forever. So very clear in God's love and who his love was towards. And all the people gave great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundations of the house of the Lord was laid. Verse 12, but many of the older priests and the Levites and the family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud because they saw the foundation of the temple being laid. While many others shouted for joy, no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise. And the sound was heard far away. Now, as we look at this situation, we see two clear, distinct generations. Let's get the context here. There's noise, there's shouts, and there's sound. Now, at first, it may all sound the same, but it's not. Noise, shouts, and sound are all completely different. It's all part of sound, but there's different aspects. Okay? And two generations are standing shoulder to shoulder. Yet one has tears of joy, the other has tears of sadness. Both are fo focused on seeing the foundation of the temple being laid, but both see it through different eyes. Yeah? Where one generation was seeing it laid for the first time, another generation <clears throat> wept because they remembered the pain and the consequences and the loss of their disobedience. And rebellion towards God and his commandments. So we must ask ourselves, therefore, a very, very serious question. How many times should we as a generation be expected to lay a foundation? We should not have to keep seeing the foundations of our life and of the church being laid every 10, 15 years. Or every time a pastor comes to a church... He shouldn't have to keep laying foundations. Because if the foundation was laid in your life, then it doesn't matter if the next pastor comes along. There should already be a foundation in your life. But that's not necessarily true. Because we know there's a lot of nightmares out there. There's a lot of stories out there where people have gone from church to church, but they are no more wiser or stable today for all their travels. It's amazing how many times people, I should say, how long people have been a Christian, but they know very little. 
So therefore, you have to ask yourself, what kind of foundation do you really have? And if we lay it right and accurately, you only need to do it once. True? So let me tell you something about this foundation for a little little while of a May. The type of foundation that we lay within our hearts will ultimately determine who, why, and what we attract. You see, our foundation in this house is a prophetic apostolic foundation. Hear what I'm saying? It's not pastoral. It's not evangelistic. It's those, those things... Evangelists don't set foundations. Evangelists reach the lost. But it's amazing how many evangelists are running the church. Teachers can teach, but they don't always, depending on what their flavor is, they'll teach their flavor. There's only one foundation in the scripture. It's the apostolic prophetic foundation. So unless we teach that and understand that, We attract different things. That's why you'll see some churches are all worship, but not very strong on the word. So they've used their skill and their gift to attract, but that's still not built a foundation. That's just attracted people. Some churches are great on caring. So they build the whole church on care, but that's not a foundation. That's an act. Okay? So we have to be very careful. We don't build a foundation on our strength. We build it on the word. You don't build it based on what you like and what you don't like. You build it on what the, what, what the word says. The prophetic apostolic foundation. Our foundation, number two. Our foundation will ultimately determine who the church represents. If we are building just on worship or we're building on care or we're building on social um, ministries. Where is Christ in all that? We are building the Christ. It's the Christ in you that God's interested in. Paul says, I labor to form the Christ in you. That's what Paul says. So our foundation will ultimately depend and determine who we represent. I hope this morning I'm representing him. Well, not I hope, I know. Our foundation, number three, will ultimately determine who we partner with. It took me a long time. To understand this. I partnered with people. Because I liked them. Anybody been in there? I partnered with people. Because they they sounded like. What they had in their hearts. Was also in my my heart. And then I realized. My greatest lesson. Was this. Common ground. Is not the same as common purpose. I have a lot of common ground with people. But I don't have common purpose. Purpose will lead me to my destiny. But common ground can mean I can have coffee with you. It might mean we go out for a meal. It might mean we go to a game together. We have common ground. In other words, you have something that you like that I like. And that might hold us for a night. But we're not going to do destiny together. And it took me a long time to understand that. So my foundation will determine... My common purpose. Who carries the same common purpose? Number four. My foundation will ultimately determine the direction we, uh, I individually and we corporately take together. 
You see, people join our church. They come to the church. They like the worship. They like the breakthrough nights. But where are they now? Where are they now? How many people have visited the church? Hundreds. But not everybody's got shares the same common purpose. And not everybody wants to go to the same place. The moment you try and lay this foundation in many people's lives, they run. Why? Because they don't share what you carry. You can't hold what's not yours. You can't hold what doesn't want to be, what doesn't want to belong. You ever tried holding a woman that you love, but she don't love you? Ever tried dating someone who doesn't feel the same about you as you do about them? You're the one left crying and she's, she's moved on. Why? Because she's not the one carrying the pain because she never liked you. The one who felt love, the pangs of love, is the one crying because that's where the pain is. She thought, or he thought, they thought that you was my number one. But the other person thought you were never the one. So, foundation number five, my found, sorry, yeah, foundation number three, is it? Oh, four. Four, sorry. Our foundation will ultimately determine the direction we pursue together. That's what I just said, isn't it? Right. As we touch, number five, as we touch and form, listen to this, as we touch success, as we begin to touch success as a house, our foundation will determine whether we can hold and how far we can reach. Success can destroy you. Success can destroy you. So all of a sudden, let's just say in the next 12 months, the Dream Center gets put on the map. Let's just say we now have four teams of worship. We now have, you know, we now have to knock the wall down. We get so much kind of popularity now. Our attitude can change and we can lose what we carried. Do you know I know that? Because when I first came to this church, that's exactly what happened. The worship was awesome. The worship was awesome when I first came here. We had an elder called Peter Nixon. He's the nearest thing I've seen to someone who, who knew what breakthrough worship was. He could hold it. The church in those days, you had to queue up to get in. And then all of a sudden, I saw pride rise up in the midst. We thought that we were the bees and E's. We started doing, working with other churches, and then we thought, well, our standards are better, and we had a pride and arrogance that came on us. Guess where all the affairs took place in the worship? God smashed us. We had problems with our leadership time and time again. Why? Because that's exactly what was exposed. You'll have to learn the lessons of history. When pride comes into the church, pride comes before destruction yeah this church for years and years struggled to hold together because of pride and it was prophesied that we would be like the tree and we would over we would overshadow people and that hits our pride so then what happens is god destroys it breaks down it's almost like the isaiah prophecy he breaks us down to a stump and then later on what does god give us a picture of a tree see it now, now we're saying it'll hang over, speak to it tenderly. Now the tree is beginning to rise. Now he says, can I test if you've got any pride in you still? Now our worship is clean. And I've got to keep these young boys and keep saying to them, if I see any pride, I'm going to knock it out of you. Why? Because we cannot have it. Why? Because 
The man with the experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. I've been there, seen it. I haven't got another 15 years of my life to go back to what we went to last time. So we have to make sure that our hearts are clear. Success can destroy your foundation. You see it so many times in sports. Young people who have wonderful talent, characters poor, bang. They get taken out. So when we touch, when we touch success, attitude, weaknesses of the flesh, nature, and our character within us all get highlighted. Number six, our foundation will ultimately determine whether we've got what it takes to reach, touch, and hold what God has given us. Whether we've got what it takes to reach, touch, and hold what God has given us within Drawsden, Tameside, Manchester, the nations. Have we got what it takes, church? Have we got what it takes corporately, individually? You see, we all enjoyed Agents of Change for those who came. We enjoyed it. It was beautiful. But you know what? We enjoyed it because you're all in a place individually to enjoy it. It just didn't work because a few made it work. It worked because you're in that place. You see what I'm saying? A lot of prayer went into that. I spent more time in prayer than I did in preparation. Why? Because I knew prayer would get me over. So, it's important that our foundations are seriously, seriously got to be scrutinized. Because God is about to do something that we've never seen, never heard. He's about to take us to levels that we have never been before. And that's why we must rise in this hour. Amen? So, our individual and corporate spiritual maturity reveals what we can and cannot lay hold of. Let me say that again. Our individual and corporate spiritual maturity reveals what we can and cannot lay hold of. You see, let's just say Phil's not mature, but he's got a desire to be a millionaire. And he says to God, God, I want it for the kingdom. God says, yes, I know you mean that and I know you believe that, but your characters, I can't trust you. So God can't trust him with a millionaire. To be a millionaire. Because his character's not in that place. So how many of you know God's got to put him in other places to work on his character? It'll determine what you can and what you cannot hold. And what you will do and what you won't do for God. Doesn't matter how gifted you are. Listen, forget your gift. You didn't earn that gift. It was given. I'm never impressed with gift. I want to see character. I want to see integrity. I want to see righteousness. Because we're all gifted. We're all born with something. And then we, we step into Christianity uh, and God gives us the baptism of the Spirit and we each get a measure according to our faith. Amen? So there's natural gifts, natural talents, spiritual gifts, spiritual talents. But we've all, we can all get them. You didn't do anything for them. God gave them. But have you got character? Because that's what you have to work on. Your character. So it's important. We understand this. So Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, and he says this. In fact, Hebrews 5, verse 12, in fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers. Yet you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. 
Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. So righteousness and the teaching of righteousness is for the mature. It's not for the baby. But solid food is for the mature. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Distinguish is the key word. Therefore, let us leave elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Then he says this. Not laying again the foundations of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptism. What he's saying, all these subjects are, are, are small subjects. If you're mature, they are now there's a time when you don't need to keep on going through those things. They're in your life. The found, it's part of the foundation. You should be able to build on them. He's not saying these are small. These are powerful subjects. These are powerful areas. What he's saying is, is that if you're going to class yourself mature, why do we have to keep, why do you keep tripping up at these points? Why does your life always seem to fail at these points? If we're mature, we must move on. So then he says, the laying on of hands. The resurrection of the dead. Eternal judgment. God was wanting to take this crowd further. Because, well, because of their immaturity and their lack of interest to move from milk to solid food, he, they were prevented from going further. Is that you? Is God trying to take you further, but because you won't move from milk, milk to meat, does that mean that God can't take you any further? Come on, ask yourself that question. Because if you can't go from milk to meat, your destiny, you'll never arrive. Pardon me, but when we finish this earth, we should fulfill what God called us to do. We are not waiting to die. We are fulfilling what God has called us to do. That is Christianity. So many people are saved, just want to bless God, just want to worship. Hey, that's great, but that's not what you were called to do. You were called to fulfill a calling upon your life. He's going to check your work. We'll see that in a minute. While I went to church, God said, that was not a work. Going to church, you go to work each day. That's called work. You get paid and rewarded for it. Right. When you come to in the kingdom of God, you, I've set you a task to go to work. And you'll get rewarded for it. So, I'll give you another point. When our foundation is accurately laid, we mature into sonship. And when we mature into sonship, listen, we grow up in all aspects of him who is the head. Romans 8, 14 says this. Because those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. Sonship. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And him, by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So you have the spirit of sonship living inside you, ladies. A son is a daughter, a daughter is a son. It's just one. The Bible calls us sons. He calls us collectively the bride, but individually sons. Ephesians 4.15 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we in all things grow up in him, who is the head? 
That is Christ, he says. So, foundations are laid and are set. Listen to this. So, so far, we're just generally talking about foundations, but this is where the rubber hits the road. Foundations are laid and are set in place by ministry and ministers. Foundations are set in place by ministry and by ministers. Somebody has... When you were born, was there a midwife? Come on. Was there somebody there at the side to help bring you to birth? Did your mother carry you for nine months? Did she do all the work? She did. She pushed. She labored. But unless somebody was able to help her bring you out of the womb into this life, you could have potentially had problems. You could have lost your mother. So bringing you to birth is a primary part of your life. Is it not? It's a critical part of your life. Because what what your parents carried for nine months was all determined on that one moment how you were born. So many complications. Mel's not here this morning. She's trained for that. So many complications can arise at the birth. So, and that's what happens in the, in, in the Christian life. You're born, you carried the seed, but you've got to birth it. You're born again, you carry the seed, but you have to birth it. Now, how do you birth it? Somebody has to help you. We don't just go to church and learn on our own. We have to learn by somebody helping us. See, your parent had all the energy to push, but somebody had to guide. Somebody had to hold. Somebody had to instruct. Does it make sense? Push now. Now, now, come on, it's nearly there. That's it, that's it. You have to nurse you through your pain. You can tell I've had this, can't you? I've done this. I'm, exp- I'm expert in this. Someone had to speak to you. That's it, yes, I can see it said. It's almost there. Yeah, it's not quite there yet. Yeah, okay, keep pushing. I am pushing. But come on, you've got another one left. That's an instructor. Push harder. But I am pushing. But there's more in you. Can, does the instructor turn around and say, okay, you're not trying, I'll leave you. No, she stays with you until you birth. That's, that's a ministry and a minister. And he's looking, he's saying, well, you're only so many centimeters dilated. Yeah, I think we've got a bit. You're not ready yet. I am ready. I want to go. That's a teaser. You need someone to bring to birth the seed that's inside you. You need it. I'd love to have seen how Christ was born. He probably just went, boom, out. Ta-da. I wonder if Mary was crying. Ah, no more. What did you do to me? 1 Corinthians 3.10. Now here's here's the crux of the situation. 1 Corinthians 3.10. By the grace God has given me, Paul says. So who's the grace been given to? Paul. This is the ministry and the minister. I laid the foundation as an expert builder. And someone else is building on it. Who's that someone? You, you build on what somebody lays. True? Someone laid this floor, now we're all walking on it. But it took somebody to lay it first. 
So, he says, but each one of you should be careful how he builds. Why? Why? Because one lays where the other one builds. You must understand this. You can only build on what's been laid. You must understand this. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid. You cannot lay another foundation that has not been laid. Hello? Which is Jesus Christ, he says. He is the foundation. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. You've got to work. Because the day, the day, there is a day coming, it will bring it to light and it will be revealed with fire. The fire will test the quality of each man's work. So your quality will determine your foundation. Amen? If what he has built survives, so it's possible that what you're building and doing won't survive when the fire hits it. You understanding this? See, if you're a Christian and you get to heaven tonight, there's going to be a time when you'll work and you're going to have to say, right, let's see what Tony did. Let's see what Jenny did. She's going to have to stand. She's going to have to bring a portfolio out. She's going to have to show God what she did. And if you've got blank pages, you're in trouble. Well, I love you. Well, love has an action. When I said I love Carol, Carol, I married her. We set a home up together. I have to keep showing Carol I love her through work and action. True? Because if you don't, I'm in trouble. She says, Carol says to me, well, if you love me, let's see the portfolio. Let's see your actions. See if your actions demonstrate your words. So he says, because the day will bring it to light and it will be revealed with the fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. And if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. You don't want to get to heaven and find everyone's riding a brand new bike and you've got a scruffy old one. True? You want what everyone else has got. So when you work on earth, God rewards you and it's counted. Up there. But so many people are just going to get in there by the skin of the teeth. And don't think for one minute, because I'm a pastor, I'm going to have a big mansion. That's TV evangelists what tell you that. I'm no different from you. I have to work with what God's given me and spoken to me. And if I don't do what he's telling me to do, then I'm the same as you. Some of you may have greater rewards than even me. Not even me, but than me. Right? Because why? And listen, when we're looking at each other in heaven... I'll say, that's because she did what he was asked. she was asked. And when you look at the one riding an old one-wheeler bike, that's because he didn't do what he was asked. He just got in, the scuffer. True. Come on, we need to take this serious. This is det- why our work will determine our foundation. So let me give you another heading. You must learn to build on the foundation. Listen. You must learn to build on the foundation on what you have previously learned seen and observed from your pastor, shepherd and leader. You must learn to build on the foundation on what you have previously learned, seen, observed 
from your pastor, shepherd, and leader. This is, if he's laboring to put a foundation in, then you must observe. You must learn. You must listen. You must do. Why? Because he's the one laying the foundation for you. But what we want to do is take what he says and do what we want. Come on, church. We want to listen to what he says in the hope that I'll get blessed, but then do what I want. And this is what gets us in trouble. Because you learn. See, I am where I am today because I learned from my pastor. I observed. I listened. And I did what he told me to do. And I worked through those things he taught me. That's why I'm here today. That's the only reason why I'm here. So, 2 Timothy says this. 2 Timothy 1.13 says this. What you have heard from me, Paul says to Timothy, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith, love in Jesus Christ. And he says this. Guard the good deposit, what was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. All this is your responsibility. You have to guard what's been entrusted. Every time I go to Malaysia, every time I let Jonathan David speak into my life, it's my job to guard what's been entrusted. It's my job to take what he's, he's given me, work it through, so that I see the fruit. It's not his fault. He spoke it. Now I have to do something with it. When you go to apprenticeship and you're taught, it's your job to take away, study, work through what the teacher taught you, so that when your apprenticeship is finished, you're qualified. Amen? This is an apprenticeship we're in. This is a life apprenticeship. Apprenticeships all about learning. Apprenticeships are all about listening. Apprenticeships are all about observing. The apprenticeships are all about getting close to someone who's got more experience than you. That's what an apprenticeship's all about. I know I've been one. When I was studying for, print, for printing, I got next to what I consider one of the best printers in our company, a guy called Terry O'Brien. I watched, I observed, I listened. He had experience that I never thought was ever going to get. If you're smart, you'll listen. If you're smart, you'll learn. If you're smart, you'll ask questions. True? Paul says this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.10. He says, you, however, know all about my teaching. Now, if I ask you that, how many of you will be able to know what I teach? How many of you would know what are the core passions of my heart? So how can you observe if you don't know the core passions of my heart? Because I'm laboring to put these core passions into your heart also. But if you can't tell me what the core passions are, then maybe you're not listening enough. Come on, it's fair. I should ask that. It's fair. You know, I know some of the spiritual sons and daughters who, who... polarize around me they'll tell you what's in my heart why because you observe and i should be able to tell you what's inside their hearts every man must know his own children's heart i can tell you what's in scott's heart i can tell you what's in laura's i can tell you what's in um, ben's that's a that's a crazy one ben's <laughs> you however he says in 2 timothy three ten, you however know all about my teaching my way of life my purpose faith patience love endurance, persecutions, sufferings. You know all about that, Timothy. Why? You've observed me. 
What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, persecutions I suffered. And he goes on. Timothy, you've observed me, son. You should know what's in your dad's heart. Now, if you're going to learn from your pastor, leader, shepherd, whoever you determine that man is, you better learn. You better observe. But you see, if you just keep going, some people just think they need to go to church because they've told themselves traditionally they need to be there because they need to hear a word. But they don't want the word to do anything inside them. The word, the word is never allowed to come alive and do something. And because of that, all you are is listeners. And Paul's already told us about that. The listener is the worst one. The hearer is the worst one. It's the one who hears and does my word, Jesus says. So we need to go back to as we was when we were in school. Adopt the spirit of learning. Because we want to grow. The teacher asked you when you were a child, what do you want to do when you leave school? He didn't have a clue. But you knew that you had to be something when you left school. I would have liked to have asked the kids, what, what kind of person do you want to be? Not what job you want to do, but what kind of person do you want to be? What a great question that is. So, this grace, this grace is outworked in people's lives. The grace that comes on the minister for the congregation is imparted to you, the congregation. So the grace for me right now is to be, to lay a foundation for the prophetic and apostolic to emerge so that we can move, move into the city, train lives, see them transformed, see God encounter people on the way. That's the grace for us. Right? That's the grace for us. We have the ability to go into the heavens and touch the spirit dimension. Open the portal so God can come down and minister in our midst. That dimension is inside you and me. We can take that wherever we go. That's our mandate as a house. To be a carrier. But we need to be trained to carry this grace and equipped to carry this grace. Because in here we don't change anything. We don't change anything. We change everything beyond the doors. So Paul understands this. The scriptures understand this. And the God, heaven understands this. That's why he gives a church and a man a grace. And from that grace, he then imparts that into others. So then you also become carriers of the same grace. True? So if everyone says what kind of church you go to, you can tell them what kind it is because you become that person. That's the grace that's in your life. You don't need to be what somebody else is down the road. You just need to stand in your grace. Amen. So what they're doing down the road, bless them. That's their grace. But our grace is this. And not everybody will like that grace. That's okay. God's not asking them to. You see, when Jesus died and rose again, he went to heaven. And when he went to heaven, he gave gifts. Now, when he gave gifts, he's not talking about prophecy. He's not talking about um, laying on of hands. They're called spiritual gifts. You get that through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The gifts that he gave to the church are called ascension gifts. Pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, and so on. Okay? He gave them, they're called gifts of men. He gave them to ministers for the equipping and the training of the saints. They're not, they're not gifts that everyone's got. 
their gifts given to his ministry, to his ministers, right? They're given to them for you. So without them, you can't be who you're supposed to be. God hasn't forgot you. He's included you. That's why he's get, every class needs a teacher. Right. So that teacher will teach economics, mass, whatever his grace is. He'll teach you. And that's what the students carry. Right. God saw you ahead of time and he gave you me. I'm sorry, but that was the best. <laughs> that's the best he had. <laughs> it's like, where? I was like, it's like the football game. You know, oh, I've got one left. Oh, we'll have you. Come over here. <laughs> no, he didn't. He gave you what you needed. He gave you what you needed. God gave you the best for this time. Amen. And you work on my life just like I work on your life. Amen. So let me just just turn it a little bit. Let me write this down. Accurate foundations being laid. An accurate foundation being laid. This is my passion now. This is where I really want to hit you with. Mess with you. Accurate foundation being laid prevents you from being duped, lied, deceived, so that you do not turn to another gospel, another Christ, another spirit. Let me say that again. An accurate foundation being laid prevents you from being, say, deceived. So that you do not turn to another gospel, another Christ, another spirit. How many of you know there's another Christ? There is another Christ. Tony, what do you mean? There's another Christ. There's only one Jesus Christ. I said there's another Christ. There's another gospel. There is another spirit. What do you mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. If there is another gospel... Oh, let me backtrack a minute. If there's another Christ, why are there antichrists? If there are antichrists, there must, that means there must be other Christ. Not Christ in the sense there's one who died and saved and redeemed. There's not another Christ. There's only one Christ. But there are others posing as a Christ. You understand that? There's only one gospel. Now listen, whenever you read in your Bible and you see the word doctrines... That means other gospels, other philosophies, other teachings. Now, what drives other doctrines? Other spirits. So there's other spirit. But there's only one Holy Ghost. There's only one Jesus Christ. And there's only one gospel. But the Bible says there are other gospels, other doctrines, other teachings, philosophies, deceiving. There are other spirits. There are other doctrines, okay? So we must understand that if we are going to build a foundation, our foundation must equip us so that we do not get deceived and follow another gospel. But Because let me tell you now, there are other gospels being preached all over this world. In churches, on TVs, on TV, should say, Christian TV, in books. Because pastors preach the gospel that they've tapped into. They'll preach the Christ that they've discovered. It doesn't mean to say it's the right one. That's why you and I must test every spirit. But you see, we all think we know. We all think we're smart enough to be able to discern. But that's why so many of us get deceived. 
So much of what I'm hearing does not sit right with me. It does not sit right with me. And what we do is because we like the character, we accept his gospel. Hello? That's called charm. Now, it doesn't mean to say that everyone who is, who, who is in error is demonic. Good people drift. And why do they drift? Because they haven't got people around them to bring them back in. There's a difference between a deceived man and a wicked man. A wicked man knows what he's doing and he's deceiving you purposefully. Other people drift. You don't know the life behind these preachers. They get up on TV, they get up on the stage, they've got big crowds and they can preach like you can't believe. But you don't know if they're having affairs. You don't know they're taking drugs. No, you'll never know that. But you must have, a, have the spirit inside you that can discern whether that's not sitting right with me. That's your responsibility. Now, if you, and the reason why most of the churches do, because they've never had anyone lay a foundation in them. So you take a little bit from Monica, like the song goes, a little bit of Rita, a little bit of Monica. And who else is there? Sue, is she in there? We have the gospel according to Sue. Do you know the song I'm talking about? A little bit of Rita. Each Rita, Monica, Sue, Jessica, all of them have got their own gospel. And you put it in a song and you think, oh, wap, wap. And, and that's how it is in the church. We have a little bit of this. We buy his book. We read his book. And then what you do is, then you start challenging me because of what you've read. Now, I've now got to come up to, your, to the standards of the guy in the book. He didn't labor to put a foundation in you. He wasn't there saying, another two centimeters. He wasn't there. I was. You don't have his phone number. You type to him because you see it on the TV. Oh, give them money to the, because they need it on the TV. Shut up. Don't do it. You'd be broke. They'll clear you out in one night watching TV. Everyone. And they're all telling you, if you give this, if you give a dollar, you'll get ten dollars. That's called gambling. Why? Because the appeal, they, what they do, they mix it and they put greed in the creed. And you think, well, I need, I need some money. So, listen, the only guy who's getting the money is him. You want to you demonstrate faith? Demonstrate it in here. Demonstrate it right here. Don't be sat there thinking, oh, Lord, I'm giving you $1,000. Phil was telling me, here's one guy. I know the guy he's talking about, so I won't shame him. This guy's saying on TV, national TV, he's there every night. And he's saying, if you give $1,000 or you give $10, whatever it is, he said, God will multiply you. It's okay if you're in debt, use your credit card. God will honor your credit card debt. How many of you know you don't order what you can't pay for? But you see, who's going to police it? Who's going to shut them down? But I tell you what, at the end of the night, the people are running to the phones. Why? Because desperate, dupe people are out there. Oh, for the love of a good church. Oh, for the love of a good church. See, is there a gospel? Is there a prosperity gospel? Yes. But let's get faith cleaned up first. We do not use faith to get things. Faith is used to please God.
Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. But they'll tell you and and they twist it. Anyway, I'm getting off that. They do me head in. In Galatians Galatians 1, please write this down because this is going to help you. Because I know you don't think you're being duped. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I'm astonished, he says. I'm astonished that you are quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. There it is right there. Which is really no gospel at all. When a man preaches one thing and one thing only, that's not the gospel. Hello? That's not the gospel. That's called one area. Do you know there are, in this one, let me say this without confusing you. There's one gospel, okay, but many subjects, many principles. Okay, how many of you know there's the gospel of salvation and there's the gospel of the kingdom? Right? So the gospel of salvation is what all the TV and all the books say, oh, we're all preaching the gospel. No, they're not. No, they're not. Many will tell you they're preaching the gospel of the kingdom when they're preaching the gospel of salvation. And others will tell you the other way around. You must know the difference when you're hearing it. You must know when the gospel of the kingdom is coming to your life and when the gospel of salvation. See, I don't need the gospel of salvation. I'm saved. I needed it at one time. Okay? I need the gospel of the kingdom. But when someone's only preaching one subject, on and on and on and on and on and on, on, please don't tell me that's the gospel of the kingdom. I must have more arrows in my quiver. You see, if your agenda is to raise money and money only, then you'll just hit that thing all the time. And we're trying to raise people. You don't raise people with one, one arrow. So he says this, I'm astonished that, you, that many of you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him eternally be condemned. As we have already said, so now, and I say again, if anybody is preaching to you another gospel than what you've accepted, let him eternally be condemned. Am I trying to win the approval of men or of God? Well, you know what Paul's trying to do. He's trying to bring the approval of God. Or am I trying to please men? If I was still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. So that's one scripture. Let me take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. This is helping you. 2 Corinthians 11, 3. But I'm afraid. So in Galatians chapter 1, he's astonished. Now he's afraid. That just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than what we preached, if you receive a different spirit from the one you received or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it. Wow. He's saying that there's one group of people... In the church that know how to discern. But there's another group of people that easily put up with anything. Why? Because they've come to church to hear what their itching ears want to hear. 
Their hearts are not set in righteousness. Their hearts are not set in purity. Their hearts are not set towards what God is saying. Now, church, let me ask you this question. If it were not possible, why did Paul write it? Is it possible to be duped? Yes. Is it possible to hear another gospel? Yes. Is it possible to follow another Christ? Yes. Is it possible to follow another spirit? Yes. Why? Because he wrote about it. But the issue is, do you know when it's being transferred to you? Wow. I told you time and time again, church, that the greatest battle you will have in these days is the one for truth. Truth. Whose truth do you listen to? Whose truth? This is why pastors, pastors, teachers, the fivefold ministry are in such grave danger. Because they have the power to deceive. The power to deceive. See, the more, the stronger the Christ is formed in you, the less tolerant you become to those who carry a different spirit. That's why I can't listen to a lot of other guys speak now. Now my heart has been set towards truth and righteousness and pursuing it. I can't listen to a lot of stuff because I just, it's either bland or straight away I go, it doesn't witness with my spirit. Now I remember what I said, there's a difference between a deceitful man and a deceived man. Because I've not always been accurate myself. As you learn, you say things that's not quite true. It doesn't make you erroneous. It means that you're beginning to push. As long as you can be brought back in, you can put it right. But when you've got no one there, man, you're gone. You've gone. So, can you give me two minutes? I'm taking it anyway. No, I'm not. I'm asking you because... I want you to just put this in. You know, this, this beats in me. I want you to be clean and clear. Let me give you, very quickly, seven ways. I'm not going to preach on these. I'm just going to give you seven points. It's okay. I'm going to write them down. For, you can write them down. for Listen, this is going to help you. You ready? The best way you can find out whether someone's deceiving you or not, first one is the word test. Test the word within them. Does... Do or do they believe that the Bible is the inspired word? Listen, listen to this. Is it the inspired word of Christ? And does it have total supreme authority over the opinions and philosophies of men? See, it's not my opinions. It's not my philosophy. I have to submit to the total supreme authority of Jesus Christ, his word. So you test that word. If a man's not willing to subject himself to the total authority of scripture and to the elders and to the pastor, don't listen to him. He must be accountable. Number two, the walk test. So you've got the first one's the work test, the word test. Second one's the walk test. Do they model what they preach? How many of you know that's true? So many walk you know, some of them may talk, but they don't walk. Number three, the work test. Does the message or he or she preach, does it work in their locality and in their life? See, if I'm preaching a message to you that doesn't work in my life, something's not right. True? 
Let me give you another one. The wisdom test. The wisdom, does the wisdom that you hear from someone else, does it give you leverage and advantage in your life? Because if it's true wisdom, it should give you leverage and advantage. Yeah? Over your enemy. Does the wisdom help you come through your difficult times? Does their wisdom help you come through difficult times? That will tell me whether you're a man or a woman or wisdom. See, God always said to me, he'll always, give my te- he'll always make sure my teachers are around me. Why? Because my teachers have strengthened me to come through my difficult times. Yes? Number five, the way test. Does their ministry uphold and promote righteousness? Do they operate honorably at all times and in all circumstances? Do they operate? This is the way. Jesus said, this is the way, walk in it. Jesus could say that because he was righteous. In all his circumstances, he was righteous. Can I give you another one? The will test. Does their will and actions conflict with the message coming through him or them? Does their their will express joy and liberty or does it express doom and gloom? I've listened to a lot of doom and gloom preachers in my time, believe me. Why would I want to follow that? The last one is the witness test. Does their life proclaim the true testimony of Christ? Does it carry a fresh witness and a good reputation amongst those who who they deal, deal with? Now, if you have the word test, the walk test, the work test, the wisdom test, the way test, the will test, and the witness test, you should go a long way to not being duped. Is that helping you? You have them. You put, what I suggest you do is put them in the inside of your Bible. Write them down. As you write them down, put them in. They're free of charge. They're yours. You didn't get charged from this morning. I didn't ask you to put 10, 10 pounds in the, in the offering. And by faith, I'll give them to you. No, no, they're yours. They're, they're just, why? Because I want you to be steered away from false teachers. You use that as a code code Lord show me how I can keep clean and accurate that's the test there the word, the walk, the work so the word, the walk the work the wisdom, the way the will, the witness seven and with that I'm finished you can go and eat paninis now drink coffee but before you do that let's stand to our feet if you will I consider that good. I'm giving my best so that you won't get deceived. I would ask you now to give your best. Write them down. Get them on the inside of your Bible. Get this message inside of you. Make sure that you allow someone to lay that foundation in your life. Keep on laying that foundation in your life so we can build upon it. 
That's why you need ministry and minister to lay that foundation in your life. That's why God gave them to the church. But so many people want to bypass him or them. Amen? On Christ, the solid rock, we stand. Everything around us is? So what do we do? On Stand on the solid rock. So, Father, right now, let's lift our hands if we will. I know I've gone over time today, but... Well, I haven't, but... Oh, I had another 15 minutes, Phil. Flipping, eh? Oh, Holy Ghost, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we do not want to follow another gospel. We do not want to follow another spirit. And we do not want to follow another Christ. We don't want to have to follow, we don't want to follow doctrines. We have a doctrine. We have a gospel. We have a Christ. We have the Holy Ghost. We have the Father. Lord, all that is in us. So, God, I pray that you remind us. You put you, you sear our conscience so that we will become reminded of these things. Because it is possible for us to be deceived. But if we work and guard our hearts and lives, then, Father, we can escape. There's a way through. That's why you told us to get in the boat and cross over. You're protecting us. So, Father, strengthen us this day. Let this word become our watchword. Even this week, oh God, remind us. Let us meditate on this word. On those seven aspects. So that we can become clean and clear. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said? Amen. Amen. Lord bless you.